0: You are Locked On College Football, your daily podcast on all things college football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? We are back for Locked On College Football. Super exciting time as the season has ended for 2020. Thank the Lord in a lot of ways, but we get the opportunity to talk with all of our hosts about their respective teams. Now, well, college football is all about giving you the hottest stories. There's some big things that we're going to get into on today's show, but I have to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to billbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order joining me today on this Monday we know that Mondays are always fun because I get to bring my friends on with me we've got Jacob Hatch from Locked on Cougars and Locked on Youth so we have an awesome time ready for you guys today we're gonna talk offense defense Zach Wilson some feel good stories all that in between so let's get right into it Jake how are you
1: doing well thanks for having me Candice excited to be back on
0: Absolutely. It's been such an interesting time. Did you get the opportunity to watch the college football playoffs? And if so, were you surprised by the outcome? I've been asking everybody.
1: So first and foremost, I'm a college football junkie. That's been my sport my entire life that I've loved. I watch every game I possibly can muster. And yes, I did watch the college football playoff it kind of played out the way I thought it was going to Alabama look like far and away the best team in the sport this year. So I can't say that I was surprised. I was mildly surprised, by what we saw in the semifinal though with Ohio state beating up on Clemson as, as much as they did, but yeah, in, in the end, I thought Alabama, they were the best team.
0: Did it make you feel as if there should be a bigger conversation about the four teams that get into the college football playoffs based on the Ohio state Clemson game?
1: So I actually think that uh, I've always been an advocate for going to six teams. I know jumping to eight is kind of the popular thing, having everybody uh, have all the power five conferences, have the automatic bid, and then having three at large is maybe having a, a guaranteed spot for the new year's uh, not new year's five the group of five excuse me Mm -hmm. but i've always thought that having six actually be the better play in my mind you go with the five automatic bids and then you have one wild card there whether it is a group of five team or maybe the next best team that doesn't get the automatic bid have the top two seeds get a first round buy and then play it out from there that's always kind of been my thought i won't be the best path forward but i understand why people want to see eight
0: yeah, and I also think, though, as much as I love group five people, that it's too much riding on it, right? I feel like you have to be perfect, and that's so much mm-hmm. pressure. Why not give them an opportunity to have their own type of playoff system, their own type of championship, where it means just as much? I don't, I mean, of course, you always want the national championship game, right? But at the end of the day, I feel like it's just so much to strive to, especially for these kids who we've seen a lot of, like, people opting out of bowls, especially with good teams. Like, I saw for me personally, Carolina and guys who knew that they were going to go pro, they didn't even bother with the orange bowl, which I get, like I'm totally for people doing whatever is best for them. But the incentive of like, if you're not perfect, that means you have no chance to get in the college football playoffs, which means why even bother with like the bowl aspect.
1: So I've always thought that at some point there was going to become a, a a line of delineation where I thought the group of five and the power five would almost create two separate divisions and they would end up making, I think two different national championships. So in essence, creating a new division of college football I've talked with people about that, and they don't think that's going to happen. I just see it as the TV networks, they've got to look at this and say, "Okay, if we have the 60 plus teams in the power five where they're competing for a national championship, why don't we take this other 60 to 70 teams in the group of five and create a whole nother uh, division where we can have more inventory, another national championship game, another playoff, that type of stuff. I see it as a win win for all parties involved. I may be in the minority on that, but I do think that'd be something to look into.
0: No doubt. Well, we obviously know you represent a special team BYU. It's not exactly the standard norm of the power fives of the world, but they had a great season. Nonetheless, overall, let's start. How did you feel about the Cougars performance this season?
1: I I thought it was pretty spectacular high flying offense led obviously by Zach Wilson, uh, what they were able to do this year, 11 and one. I know they'll always look at people look back at this season and say, well, they didn't play any power five teams. Well, the simple fact of the matter is they couldn't because the power five went conference only and you had a season where BYU at one point in August, they were down to just two games that were on their schedule. So they had to piecemeal it back together. They ended up playing 12 games overall. I, I think just the overall theme of BYU season is one of a major success. They won an 11 and one, they come up a yard short of maybe going 12 and 0 and having that outside shot at the new year six at that point. But I just, I look at it. It was a fun season to cover, fun season to watch this team do what they did. And I understand why people would uh, try and knock it down with no power five teams on the schedule. But Mm -hmm. you can only play who's put in front of you.
0: Exactly. And the more, even more reason why I feel like there should be a separation because you shouldn't have to lean on the power fives to build your resume to prove that you're worthy. Right. Let me just show that I'm dominant. Right. With my own group in front of them. But I got to see BYU play Coastal Carolina, which was arguably one of the best games all season. How exciting was that for you to have everyone kind of put BYU in the top of national news conversation?
1: Well, it was fun. I, I grew up in, in the era of the 1990s when Lavelle Edwards was making runs with like that 1996 team when they went 14-1 and one and finished a number five in the country. So mm-hmm. I've seen BYU be in the national conversation, but it's been pretty much a decade plus since they've really been in that conversation. So it was fun to see them kind of get back into the national consciousness, be part of the conversation each week. That, that part of it was a lot of fun because I think a lot of BYU fans of a certain age can hearken back to what Lavelle. Edwards did what Bronco Mendenhall was doing early on in his tenure and look at and say hey they finally got back to where the national media the national conversation included BYU and that's where BYU fans have always wanted to be so I think it was a nice thing after about a decade of kind of being out in the the weeds so to say it was nice (laughs) to see them back in the conversation
0: absolutely would you say that the Coastal Carolina game should be won on the books for years to come
1: I would like to, I, I think it'd be a great game. I thought it was a fun little rivalry that developed just with yeah. one game. It was put together on very short notice. Uh, I know that some people have gotten the contract uh, via FOIA, et cetera, and says that there will be a return game in Provo at some point mm-hmm. when the Chanticleers go out to play BYU in a return game. I'm all for making that more of a regular thing. I thought it was a fun game. I thought there were two fun teams playing against one another, but I, I don't make the contract. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs>
0: No doubt. Now I'm going to talk more about the offense with Zach Wilson and company and where you think he'll fare coming into the next you know, round of his life going pro. But I want to talk about, you talk about traveling, getting everything together really quickly. And the BYU truck has been a staple, especially in on the West Coast area. And there's been a real good feel good story that I wanted to bring to mind. Can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and just how important it is and what it means for like the BYU community?
1: Yeah, Candace, this was a really cool story that came out earlier this week, actually just yesterday, I think officially and well, actually, no two days ago, excuse mm-hmm. me. Let me, Let me do that. Here we go. Three, two and one. Yeah, It's a really cool story coming out. And you mentioned the fact of the truck. It made national headlines as it made that uh, against-the-clock drive across the country for the Coastal Carolina game. Well, Brandon Stewart, he lives in Clinton, Utah, which is about two hours away from where I live. And uh, he found out uh, recently that he's got terminal brain cancer. And just it's a sad story. Mm-hmm. But he told his wife one of his dreams well, on his bucket list was to ride in BYU's truck. Uh, she didn't necessarily know how to go about doing it and getting in contact with people. She sent some emails, but never really got anywhere with that. Then she found out that a family friend had a connection with one of the two drivers who drive this truck to every away game for BYU. They reached out to him and said, hey, could we do this? He's like, absolutely, let's make it happen.
0: That's so they, la- awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. so they they got the uh, semi, they picked it up and drove it uh, to his house. Uh, they ha- kind of had like a parade. A lot of people doing these with ber- birthdays and everything. Those kind of those drive-by uh, mm-hmm. parades, and they allowed him to ride in the truck and kind of fulfill kind of that bucket list item for him. The best part about the whole story. Was that BYU head coach Kalani Satake, as well as the team mascot, Cosmo the Cougar? They actually showed up as part of this as well. They were not asked to come to it, but Kalani was quoted as saying, When I heard about this, there was no way I couldn't not be involved with it. I could not uh, skip out on this. So right. just a really heartwarming story. And I think it kind of goes to show that college football, it means so much more, regardless of who your team is across the country. I know you cover North Carolina heavily. Mm-hmm. I do both the locked on Cougars and locked on youth podcast covering Utah and BYU. These feel good stories just make, make you want to stand up and cheer for whatever team does stuff like this. So it was a really cool story from Brandon Stewart, a guy who's got three kids and just a a devastating prognosis for him, but nice to see BYU be able to kind of help uh, put his mind at ease and help him check off a thing off that bucket list
0: absolutely and I think it speaks to coach and just who he who he is and what he represents more importantly you know everyone we talked and had in length about whether or not we should have a season and just the fact that we got to get some games in we had an opportunity and you know for Brandon the opportunity to see his Cougars play maybe one last time if that's you know the case it's just special right it ends up putting it in perspective like yes all of this you can talk you know until we're blue in the face about whether or not we should do it but when you see stories like these it's kind of like like, okay, it means something. It's bigger than, right? Just the X's yeah. and O's.
1: Yeah, and that's the, thing, that's the difference between, I think, college football and like the NFL or other pro leagues. Is these are schools that many of us went to. Uh, we had our growing up years at these various universities. And I think that makes a connection that's a lot deeper than I think many pro teams. I know that there's connections with pro teams, but when you go to a school and you root on that team, it makes a connection. I think it's just a little bit that much deeper and I think in the case of Brandon Stewart it very much was that way
0: no doubt and you speak of colleges and you'd be having being a fanatic and being so much about your college team. I know that oftentimes people bet with, you know, having favorites in mind. Sometimes it doesn't always go your way, though, right? Sometimes you're going a little too hard about feeling like your team is great. I know me personally, I thought Carolina was going to go 11 to know this football season. I'm so glad I did not bet in that regard, but I will say, if you are going to bet, there is only one place that has you covered in one place that we trust. And that is betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. You got to get in on the action. Don't forget to use, again, promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. Again, I have with me Jake Hatch talking Locked On Cougars BYU and so much surrounded the team's offense high-flying and he had that coming down to Mr. Zach Wilson who has been the talk of the town. Whether or not he will be in the top quarterback pick conversation come draft season. Now, how are you feeling about Zach's odds? Is he a sleeper? I mean, everyone's talking about Trevor Lawrence, we know, but is he someone that is going to be good when he gets to the pro level?
1: I think he is, but that may me just being blinded, having watched him play for the last three years in a BYU uniform. I, I've been extremely impressed with this young man. He's training in Southern California now for the draft. If you look at the various mock drafts out there, Mel Kiper, Todd McShay, uh, man, uh, Dane Brugler from the athletic, they've got him inside the top five. And, and some have him number two going to the New York jets. Some number four going to the Atlanta Falcons there. There are so many different spots. It feels like he could land. I'd like to say he is a sleeper, but I really do think the word is out and he is no longer, yeah, that sleeper quarterback in this class. He's firmly in that number two conversation behind Trevor Lawrence, it looks like.
0: Well, I want to know, you know, from your opinion, being a college football expert, right? We talk about, Trevor Lawrence. Now he's been dominant in college. He'll be dominant in the pros X, Y, Z. But then you look at guys like Tom Brady, who clearly nobody looked at and ended up being arguably one of the best quarterbacks of all time. How do you get it? I guess, so wrong with a guy like Tom and feel like so confident about a guy like Trevor.
1: Uh, See, I think that's the million dollar question right there. (laughs) And forever will Tom Brady be that sixth round pick. There'll be always that famous picture of him, the combine, not looking like a specimen at all, but man, (laughs) 10 Super Bowls, just, just incredible what he's been able to do in his career and I look at it and I think that Trevor Lawrence has all the physical tools that you want to see from a quarterback he's tall he's got a big arm he's mobile enough to make plays with his feet it's just it's it's impressive to see what he's done but I'm with you, Candace. It seems like it's a, it's a crap shoot sometimes with regards to how guys are going to pan out. Yeah. I'm of the opinion that Zach Wilson is going to be a 10 plus year starter in the NFL. That's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But I really do think, okay, let's say Trevor Lawrence, he goes number one to Jacksonville. Well, Urban Meyer's right there, and I've seen Urban Meyer up close because he coached at Utah for two years, and obviously many of us have seen him at Ohio State, at Florida, all the different schools he's coached at. Mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion that Urban Meyer can pull the most out of a guy like Trevor Lawrence but I think it's all dependent on him getting in there, kind of earning the trust of his teammates and then proving, yes, the, the physical tools, the makeup that I have here can translate to the next level. And until he gets on the field, we won't, we won't see that in Jacksonville.
0: Absolutely. And you also got to think about, I mean, now that I'm sitting here talking to myself, talking out loud, the coaching system, like who are you behind? Because, you know, Patrick Mahomes, (laughs) we never knew, I never knew he was going to be as good as he is. He only won like a handful of games at Texas second and ends up, you know, being one of the most dominant quarterbacks in our league. So it really is, as much as we put on draft boards, you got to go out and prove, right? So I don't know.
1: Yeah, see, Andy Reid's a BYU alum. He played offensive line at BYU, so he's got a really close connection to the university. And funny enough, he said multiple times, he said in that draft when he took Mahomes, Mahomes was his number one guy. He saw something on film and said, you know what, I that's my guy. I need to get him, and it's proven to be the right thing. So. I really do think that the connection between coach and player can be a big part of it. So in the case of Trevor Lawrence, I think going to work with urban Meyer, man, that, that seems like a match made in heaven, but it really just kind of think that depends on the connection, the the backbone of the team, the support system around him, your teammates. There are so many things at the pro level that can either help you have success or flame out. But I'm hopeful that guys like a Trevor Lawrence, like a Justin Fields, like a Zach Wilson, They all find the right spot for them. They find the right coaching staff to work with them, and they can maximize their talent and become those next crop of stars.
0: No doubt. And also, you speak of Andy Reid and being a guy who was fully in the trenches. Let's talk about BYU and the guys in the trenches. How did you feel like overall the offensive line and defensive lines did respectively?
1: I thought the offensive line for BYU was phenomenal. They became a, the Joe Moore Award, which goes to the top offensive line across the country. They were a semifinalist for that award. It's been many, many years. It's So Brady Christensen, their star left tackle, declared early for the NFL draft. It looks like he will be become the first offensive lineman from BYU in 15 years to get drafted in the NFL draft. It's been a major... Uh, point of contention for BYU fans because back in the 80s and 90s with Lavelle Edwards, it seemed like every year there was one or two linemen from BYU who are going in the NFL draft. And then maybe weren't necessarily first round guys, but they were guys being taken. And it, like I said, it's been 15 years since we've seen a BYU offensive lineman drafted. So the hope is that, yes, they they have built something with that offensive line that can be replicated moving forward. Now, they did lose Jeff Grimes, uh, the offensive coordinator, and he was a part-time, he worked with the offensive line chiefly. And then Eric Mateos, their offensive line coach, went with him to Baylor's. So, and you do need to find a new offensive line coach who can kind of come in and pick up where those guys left off but I think the hope is that they have enough pieces still there they've been developed enough that it becomes almost a self-feeding machine where they can keep recruiting talent and have it have the success they hope now conversely on the defensive line they had some guys that are moving on to the pro ranks like Kairos Tonga who were very very good but I thought that the defensive line was inconsistent at best for BYU this past season and I'm not sure what to think of the future for that with regards to how they performed but I think there's a similar hope that with a guy like Lysa Tuiaki, Tuiaki, their defensive coordinator, who also is the defensive line coach, well, hopefully he can uh, take that younger group of guys behind Kyrus, uh, Zach Daw, Braden Elbakri, the guys moving on now, and say, okay, we were inconsistent a year ago, but we learned our lesson from this. We need you guys to step up and be more consistent. So if I'm going to grade it, offensive line, I'd give them an A, A minus. If the defensive line, I'd say probably a B.
0: Gotcha. Well, that's you know good to know because I want to talk about some of the young guys, but I also wanted to talk about the transfer porter and some guys who are coming back from mission. I want to get into that conversation and maybe you can help explain to me how that goes, especially because you know BYU has a unique experience. But when you talk about guys in the trenches, I want everyone to know that the only way you can really get fit and learn how to handle being strong and solid like the O-line and defensive line is getting built bar because it's the best best tasting protein bar ever. It's 100% covered in chocolate, and that is always good on my end. With 18 amazing flavors that are 100% covered in chocolate, Built Bar is even more delicious because it's for the health-conscious person, right? It's low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. If you head to com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you can get 20% off your next order. I highly recommend the cookies and cream. Jake, do you have a personal fave?
1: So I've got a top three. Number one, okay. cher- cherry barcia. That is <laughs> far and away my favorite. Number two, orange. And then I've actually become a really big fan of the lemon almond cheesecake. It seems okay. like a really strange flavor, but I would encourage people give it a shot. I love built bars. I eat them every day. They are the best tasting protein bar, protein bar I have ever had, and I've had. Probably thousands of them at this point in my
0: life. Nice. Well, head to builtbar.com again. Use promo code LOCKED ON and get 20% off your next order. Tune in to all of our local hosts and their respective podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network that has everything for you. Truly, we've had some big announcements coming down the stretch from our network family. We're joining with Tegna, which is going to be awesome. We're going to bring you great hosts, good content, and awesome guests. There's so many good things happening for the Locked On Podcast family. We look forward to bringing you guys that very soon and continuing with what we're doing now. So as we wrap up, right, I talked about the guys in the trenches, but you talked about about some young guys and talked about guys who are in the transfer portal and guys who have to go come back or go on missions talk mm-hmm. to me about how that really works for byu and when you're recruiting right and coach is telling you hey this guy might be coming back due to you know going to take a mission how does that make a guy say hey i want to come to this university
1: so the unique factor about BYU is it's affiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's owned by the church and they encourage all young men of the age of 18 now to go and serve a mission for two years. And with regards to that, a lot of guys who go to BYU and play football are members of the faith and they embark on a two-year mission. Some will actually play a year before going on their missions. Others will go immediately after graduating from high school. It's all kind of a personal decision of what you want to do on that. But like, like you said, Candice, it becomes a very interesting uh, situation for BYU because the way it kind of lays out is BYU, with regards to missionaries and players who are playing in the program, they essentially have a seven-year plan. I know that sounds uh, oh, wow. almost uh, insane to a college football person's mind, but that's kind of how they go about it because they will plan out, okay, there's a two-year block here where a guy's going on a mission and the the situation you find yourself with with regards to BYU is many of these guys are going around the world. Guys are going to places like Uganda uh, of mm-hmm. all places. Some guys are going to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So you don't know where you're going before you submit your paperwork to say, hey, I want to go on a mission. So you have no idea where you're at. And if you're an offensive or defensive lineman who is playing at, let's say, 280 pounds in high school well if you go to a place like let's say uh, uganda or somewhere in africa mm-hmm. well the, the resources are there that you're probably going to lose lose weight plain right. and simple and you're not gonna be weight training and by the way when you're a mission when you're on a mission you're not working out you, right. you have 30 minutes a day set aside for working out that's it so you're not you're not doing a lot of working out it's not where you're going and weight training for two years to come back and be this big burly man that plays for byu <laughs> that's not right. That's not the point of why they're doing it. But, but when the guys get back, many times it takes them almost a full year to finally get their legs back underneath them to where they can contribute to the program. So they very much have a seven-year plan for these missionaries and it makes her a very interesting situation for BYU recruiting each year because they have to account for guys coming home off of missions who are going to take up scholarships in addition to recruiting young men who either are going to show up at the university right away and play or go on missions. So it's just this constant in and out. And they actually have software built for them to help them manage all of this. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, even with that software, it's a headache to track.
0: I'm sure. So that explains why Taysom is such a young, or an old rookie.
1: Yeah, so Taysom was an interesting case because he, he got delayed on leaving on his mission uh, right out of high school. And by the time he got back... Uh, Stanford, where he originally had committed to, doesn't take mid-year enrollees. It's just a, it's an mm. institutional rule that Stanford has. So by the time he enrolled at BYU, I think he was 22 as a freshman or something like that. Okay. So it, it, yeah, you guys can be significantly older than their counterparts, despite being a freshman in college at BYU, maybe being 21 years old, whereas somebody else, say at North Carolina, in your case, they're 18.
0: Right. And I guess it's also, you know, unique because in one case, like, yes, you're not you're not necessarily physically strong and stuff, but it could you know make you mentally sound and mentally kind of leaps and bounds beyond your peers because you've experienced a part of life that a lot of people in their 18 to 22 year old range aren't exactly going out and doing. So I think, it, you know, it can play on both sides of the coin. But nice. how does coach, you know, recruit those kind of guys and how does that instill kind of the values that are within the program?
1: Well, I think Kalani, he's actually a return missionary himself. So he he's talked about the fact that, yes, he came back from a mission. Yeah, physically, he wasn't 100% the second he got home from his mission, but he said that it did help him out with the mental aspect of the game because you learn how to deal with rejection, you don't deal with failure. So many different things that you learn in the mission field translate over to the football field. And Kalani Satake has not been shy of – kind of advocating what the values that, yeah, you guys will learn on missions or what the values of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints here in Provo, he will be very clear with them about what the standards are and what he expects from his team. And he doesn't shy away from that. There are, and let's, let's clear up one notion. Not all of the guys on BYU's pr- uh, roster are members of the faith. There's also right. a number of guys who are members of the faith who didn't serve missions. It's all a personal decision. let mm-hmm. to be clear about that. But Kalani is, has kind of leaned into the, you know what, these are young men who come back more mature, they're quote unquote men by the time they return from their mission, because as you said, Candace, you have an experience that very few teenagers have in their life at that point, so your life experience is a little bit, diff- little bit different. So I, I look at it and say that, yeah, Kalani, he's been very good about being open and honest about if guys want to serve missions, yeah, we're more than happy to have you go. A lot mm-hmm. of programs around the country have kind of realized, you know what, we should lean into this let let guys go but BYU per capita has the absolute most every single year so it it really translates over because guys get home like you said and their mental makeup is that much uh, I guess better for lack of a better term there but they come home and yes they may need some time to get physically capable of being able to contribute on the field, but mentally, I think they're a lot more uh, engrossed in being able to focus on what's the task at hand. They're there to play football, and they understand, you know what, I've got to be locked in on this. I think it does help BYU in many respects with that. 100%
0: 100% and you know it keeps in perspective like we're playing a game there are far greater things happening on the world so I can put my all into this and yes. you know still acknowledge the fact that there are so many other things like we mentioned you know going back to that feel-good story all of it right. is about keeping things in perspective but as a whole looking into next season do you have positive thoughts like are you worried <laughs> are you feeling good what are the emotions surrounding this team heading into 2021?
1: So heading into this next season is going to be very interesting. Obviously, they're replacing Zach Wilson. The offensive line had a number of guys graduate and or declare early for the NFL draft. So have to rebuild their defensive line similarly. So I think there's an opportunity for BYU to be a good team once again this fall. But the other issue is they have seven power five teams on this year's schedule as it mm-hmm. stands currently. So the degree of difficulty in terms of, yeah, they could skate by the likes of a UTSA where they struggled in a game like that a year ago. Let's say that's a game against the likes of, uh, I don't know, put Vanderbilt in there. Well, they have power five athletes and it's going to be tougher to win those type of games. So I'm not expecting another 11 win season in 2021 for BYU. It'd be phenomenal if it were to play out that way, be another great story. But I do think that they will be. A good team. I I kind of look at it in the seven to eight win range this year in 2021, rebuilding a little bit reloading, if you will, but I still expect a very competitive team, but they do have their work cut out for them with a much tougher schedule than 2020.
0: So did their schedule get harder because they proved themselves worthy in 2020 or was that always how it was going to be?
1: It's always how it was going to be. BYU has been building out these schedules years in advance. Uh, The 2020 schedule had six power five teams on it originally. So they've always had a number of power five teams, but a lot of people going back to our conversation earlier. They're going to always look at BYU's 2020 season and have that, I I guess asterisk next to it saying, well, they didn't play a power five team. Well, 2021, there will not be that argument. Seven power five teams, more than half the games they have contracted to play are power five level programs. So BYU will have their work cut out for them to kind of repeat and redo what they did in 2020.
0: No doubt. Well, I'm hoping that we get a full season. And we saw, you know, for me personally, the ACC schedule came out and it still had the asterisk of like, you know, pending any COVID well, issues. And I'm like, please, no, like, let's not be I, here in August.
1: <laughs> I, think, I think every one of us, uh, all of the schedules have come out. I think every one of them has that asterisk next to us. And, and we're all sitting there you know, saying, you know what, let's get this thing in the rearview mirror and move on with life as normal. Please. Let's, let's just, let's just pray that it plays out that way. BYU fans are no different.
0: A hundred percent. Well, you know, Jake, I appreciate your time. As always, it's fun to have you on. Can you please remind folks of where they can find you and follow your work?
1: Yeah, so they can follow Locked On Cougars. It's real simple to find. Search it out, Locked On Cougars, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're on all three major platforms there. My personal work, if you want to follow my personal feed, is Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, I also do the Locked On Utes podcast. So if you want a Utah perspective, a Pac-12 perspective, you can follow Brian Brown and I's work at Locked On Utes as well.
0: I'm sure that the Pac-12 perspective has been crazy with everything going on on that side nope. of the globe. How have you kind of maintained not going super hard on, you know, the commissioner leaving all that kind of stuff being like, this is just crazy at the end well, of the day. We, we, may,
1: we may have gone a little bit hard on Larry Scott. Let's be <laughs> it was, it's, just, it's just been a, a, a cavalcade of errors with that conference. So, We've tried to keep it in perspective, but at the same yeah. time, Brian and I, my co-host on Locked on Utes, we have watched what's happened with this conference kind of just fall by the wayside. And it's just, it's been, it's been miserable, plain and simple. Yeah. So we try to keep it in perspective, but we also did go a little hard at him.
0: Yeah, it's crazy to think that the PAC- Pac-12 is an afterthought when you think about the Oregon's of the world, the Washington's yeah. at one point being college football playoff. Like that's just when well, wow. USC
1: not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy to think about. But the hope is, I think better days are ahead for the conference. Obviously, right. they're going to have a new uh, conference commissioner in place. They hope by this summer. And we'll have it all covered for you on Locked On use as well.
0: No doubt. Well, Jake, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you all for listening. Make sure you stay safe and be smart out here. Do all you can to keep healthy. Hope you guys have a great Monday.